Observatory and Planetarium's stellar podcast and guess what once again joined by the wonderful Heather Alexander hello Heather how are you doing on this fine Monday I'm not too bad you know just uh giving me a big head there Courtney uh <laughs> I'm doing okay uh it's been a busy half term for anyone not of the UK it's when skills are off just randomly um we've had a very busy one um it's very good. You were you were doing a lot of theatre work there, weren't you, Courtney, in half term? Yes, I was running over our planetarium dome, which was really nice. Um, Heather has come down with a cold, not COVID. Um, yes. So if you hear it like that warm tone to her voice, it's all the phlegm. I mean, some would say it's attractive, but I say it sounds like I have caught a disease. <laughs> yeah, well, you've caught a virus and, you know... But like, and not the virus, not the virus. No, no. Um, now obviously it wouldn't be overly fair if Heather's wee bit under the weather to have her speak as often as she does. So thankfully this week we have a guest to help us out. Hello, Anna. Welcome to the podcast. Anna is one of the education team here at Arma, and uh, she's also a climate expert. Are you excited to be on today, Anna? Ooh, super excited. Love talking about climate. Love talking to you guys. So pretty good flattery will get you anywhere Heather won't it <laughs> oh yeah everywhere and like you know you see us every day as well so it is good to know that you like to talk to us and hang out with us even for a podcast that is wonderful yeah I put my thumbs up which I realize <laughs> and again I've pointed out that podcast is not a visual medium and I'm gonna <laughs> yeah. have to get used to that I mean, you should have seen us at the start, Anna, we were doing the exact same and we probably still do the same thing I do like to when Courtney says something scandalous, I do like to just, you know, show physically how she's made me feel. So that's fine. Thumbs up, just say thumbs up and we'll be fine. So Anna and I actually started working at AOP about the same time, about a month apart-ish, um so she's been on the education team with me since then um and Anna has really specialized in climate recently so uh we thought who better to get on the podcast and ask about climate than Anna um because she's been dedicating her time to it recently and the climate is one of those topics especially in recent years especially with COP and everything in November there and that people have been discussing more and more and more and it's not just like one section of the online community even that speaks about it it's not a fringe thing anymore it's very much in the mainstream so we should dedicate an episode to it and that's what we're doing today so uh we do have a few questions for Anna and she's going to basically talk us through some of the main questions people tend to put towards client um climate experts so I'm going to ask the first one Anna um so this is a really key one because we live in very, very cold Northern Um, So when people talk about climate change and global warming, they're confused as to why they're not living like a 30 degree day every day. So what evidence can we see in our daily lives currently of climate change? So, yeah, you, um, you say we're expecting it to be, you know, 30 degrees every day because we used to use the term global warming, which is accurate, but people take it as 
universal warming, which it isn't. So the changes in weather that we'd have recently, uh, we, um, you, I'm sure you all know we record the weather here uh, at Arma Observatory, and we recorded the hottest day in um, in Arma ever recorded this summer on at 31.3 degrees, and we only missed out on the hottest temperature ever in Northern Ireland by 0.2 of a degree. Ooh. So we are getting really, really warm days, but it's not all warm all the time. So what tends to happen is we get really hot summers, we tend to get, in general, warmer winters, but really what we're going to get in the winter is a lot more uh, rain, a lot more flooding, a lot more storms. And great. That's yeah, so great. Yeah. <laughs> you might have noticed it uh, recently with uh, the three storms that we've been treated to in the last couple yeah. of weeks. We had Dudley, Eunice, and I, who's this Franklin. one? Frederick? Franklin. Franklin. Can I just say the most middle class storms you've ever had? Eunice was particularly yeah, yeah. middle class. Yep. Um, so that's the sort of thing we're going to experience. It's just more extremes. Um, particularly in the, in the tropics, we're going to get more hurricanes, typhoons, uh, tropical storms, um, droughts during the summers. I know this summer, again, while it, it, we did record very hot days, we also had a long, long time without rain compared to the usual rainy climate in Northern Ireland. Um, and uh, floods as well are more likely. Um, we also have the impacts sort of not on us, but on the, the life around us. So um, what tends to happen, this is sort of an indirect effect on us, I suppose, is that species are naturally occurring in ranges where the temperature is right for them. But because the temperature is changing, those ranges are changing. So we're getting species in Northern Ireland, in the UK, that we've never had before. And a lot of them are sort of um, sensationalist. You know, you might have heard a few years back about the giant Asian murder hornets. Oh, geez. Yes. Yeah. 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 Oh, gosh. Um, so um, there is the risk that um, thankfully we haven't had very many really invasive, really harmful species um, move. But we have seen a lot more um, walruses, a lot more ocean life moving north and, um, and uh, as well insects and birds that you might not see um, a few, might not have seen a few years ago. Um, one of the most, um, I think, it certainly lends itself to a sensational headline is um, the permafrost melting in the Northern Hemisphere, in the, you know, in the Arctic Circle. I mean, that name itself, you know, permafrost, you'd like to think is... Exactly. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So one of the exciting things about that, particularly for me, I love paleontology, and there are a lot of Pleistocene animals being dug out of the ice, perfectly preserved. So you get mammals, you get giant ground sloths, you get giant cave bears. And that's all super exciting because everyone obviously wants Jurassic Park to happen and they want to extract the DNA from these mammoths. And... <laughs> Do we well, have a, <laughs> I, um, I, I don't know. I mean, the movies don't lend itself to me ever wanting Jurassic Park to actually happen. Um, I still do kind of want it to happen. I just love dinosaurs that much. Um, okay, Ross, I'd, friends. <laughs> I, I'd willingly be eaten by a T-Rex just for the story. Um, How did she um, die? T-Rex. Yeah. Sitting on the toilet by a T-Rex was a good one, wasn't it? 
mean, yeah, that was that was probably the best part of that movie because that guy deserved it. So besides those Pleistocene animals that we're seeing coming out of the ice, we also have bacteria and viruses. The problem with those bacteria and viruses are that essentially the rest of the world has moved on and most of us are immune now and no longer vaccinated. You know what I'm thinking about? I'm thinking about smallpox. There's been a case where they found smallpox um, viruses in, in the ice, things like anthrax and things like that. So again, while there's been nothing, no like really bad breakouts or anything like that, there is the potential for that. You know what? For those I, diseases to come back. It's very, like, it's vintage, you know, bring it back. It's been out of fashion for a while. Why not a little bit of smallpox to liven up the scene? I mean, it's been COVID yeah. now for like three years. It's time for a change, Heather. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, like, who, who needs their skin? I just want to look pockmarked all the time. I mean, as an historian, I'd love an historic disease. Not yeah. really. I mean, maybe that's what's wrong with me right now. <laughs> I've caught an historic disease. <laughs> so basically... Anna, it sounds like evidence that we're seeing in our daily lives, it's kind of across all aspects of our lives and it can impact us in every conceivable way. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, um, there are the things uh, that are like really shocking to us, but then there's the everyday things that are going on underneath that just sort of affect our lives a little bit every day and sort of the world is slowly, slowly changing. Slowly to us rapidly for the earth unfortunately mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so just in in trying to move this on here because I'm just as you're talking there I'm starting to wonder well like you know what are the biggest contributors to climate change overall like is it is it fossil fuel is it mining is it big industry like what is the biggest contributor to climate change uh, you sort of you did mention it there the root of it all comes down to fossil fuels. It's that we're living an unsustainable life. We're using up resources that aren't renewable in our lifetimes. So um, most people will probably realize this, but when we call them fossil fuels, they are literal fossils. We're digging them up from times, the time of the dinosaurs. So we go underground, we go back to the rocks that were uh, on the surface at the time of the dinosaurs. And we're digging up this coal, this oil, that's made out of basically dead and decomposed or uh, dead and fossilized trees, plants, sea creatures, everything like that. And the fossilization isn't happening fast enough to replace those. Yeah. So um, not only do they um, run out and they will run out in the next 10 years, or sorry, well, at least the next 50 years, probably. Coal quicker, oil and gas, maybe a little bit longer. Um, and so, yeah, fossil fuels and the burning of fossil fuels are basically it when it comes to climate change. If we can try and live more sustainably, I know that fossil fuels sort of impact every aspect of our life, you know, transportation, keeping us warm, everything like that. Um Agriculture, a lot of agriculture is is harmful to the environment. And I know that carbon dioxide is the biggest contributor to uh, climate change. But there's also a gas called methane, which cows produce a lot fart of gas. fart gas. Absolutely. We talk about fart gas a lot here at the planetarium. <laughs> so if, yeah. we, if we stopped farting, this would stop being a problem. 
we are contributing less to than cows if cows stop farting. So the IBS sufferers among us are actually not not harming the earth on an individual level. Fortunately, it would take millions of IBS sufferers, millions more, to cause a rapid change in climate. Or just me on a really bad day. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I feel you there. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So, um, well, methane is actually uh, 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 an even stronger greenhouse gas than carbon dioxide. It's it's like four times as effective at trapping heat in the in the atmosphere. Thankfully, there's a lot less of it being produced, but it's still a significant factor. Okay, so we can blame fossil fuels and cows, um, yeah, and specifically cows farting. Excellent. Um, so let's say that I think, we. I think burping contributes quite a lot as well. Burping, maybe okay. not 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 pin it all on farting. Can't can't forget the burps. Yeah. Okay, we're 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 narrowing down the bodily functions here. Excellent. Okay, um, so let's say we continue our lives right now, digging up fossil fuels, and let's say that we continue to let the cows fart and burp away without any concern. What are the next ten years going to look like if we just do not change our behavior? Okay, so you know, I'm sure you heard a cop about uh, 1.5 degree warming. Mm-hmm. That 1.5 degree warming will only happen if we completely stop all fossil fuel use right now. We're trying to mitigate it to that, but at least 1.5 degree of warming is going to happen. So 1.5 degrees of warming is like the dream scenario right now? Pretty much, yeah. So um, we will get all those storms, warm summers, warmer winters, flooding, storms, um, it will actually really impact um, people who are living in poverty. Their uh, livelihood tends to be w- in, very much in the environment around them. Some people have sort of come out of that sort of relying on nature, but a lot of the poorer areas of the world rely heavily on nature. And so basically the poor are going to get poorer. Oh, um, so sounds um, awful. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, the mega rich are making huge amounts of money off fossil fuels, so the rich will also get richer. Um, we'll get sea level rise because that overall 1.5 degree of warming will cause, it doesn't really matter if icebergs melt, um, things like the um, uh, ice that's already floating in the sea because that doesn't change the sea level, but it's glaciers and um, ice sheets that are really important. So if they start to melt, which they have, um, we're going to get, I think the estimate at the minute is a foot of sea rise, um, sea level change, so by 2050. So that wouldn't be good for island life? Particularly, yeah. And in fact, a surprising amount, given that our industry tended to rely on rivers and things like that to transport stuff, the vast majority of sit- large cities in the world are coastal or coast adjacent, which means that we're losing loads of them, loads of them, especially in um, South Asia and places like that, um, where the sea level, maybe, or sorry, where the, um, the land isn't quite as raised. One of the scariest things that I um, learned about 
during my degree um, was, um, sorry, it's not, it's not a scary thing on its own, the Atlantic Ocean circulation. Okay. So water goes from the warm area in like the Gulf of Mexico and around the, tro- around the tropics and the equator. It moves up to the north into the um, Arctic Circle, cools and sinks and travels, the cold water then travels back down to the Gulf of Mexico where it warms and rises. Okay. That is what gives Europe its climate. So despite climate change and the 1.5 degree of warming, mm-hmm. the UK is unseasonably, sorry, for where it is, for the latitude it's at, unseasonably warm. If you consider that we're on the same latitude as like Toronto, much, yeah, much colder true. there. Yeah, they have yeah. way more snow. Yeah. So I did not know any. That That is... That's so interesting. I didn't know that. Uh, Unfortunately, those icebergs melting, that's where that comes in. They're going to make the water less salty, less dense, and stop that circulation eventually. So it's going to get colder here? Pretty much the entire climate of Europe is going to change, particularly the UK and Ireland. Oh, wow. So yeah, much, much colder. Okay, well, (laughs) that's, that's great. Great news. Um, oh dear. Oh, yeah. Of course, I, I thought you were the only person that could really scare me, but Anna, <laughs> oh, this is this is insane. Um, so <clears throat> all of that sounds horrendous, really. Um, has there been like species loss due to climate change? You know, you're talking about all this change, you know, the climate of Europe and stuff. And I'm just wondering, has there been climate, you know, species lost due to climate change that you feel that more people should know about? Because I'm sitting here thinking like, you know, we still have pandas and that type of stuff, but I don't know every single animal in the world. So and what's Anna does. Here? And Anna does. <laughs> um, when it comes to pandas, pandas are their own worst enemy. The reason they are in danger is because they breed so slowly and they refuse to mate with each other in <laughs> captivity. Basically, that was it. They don't want me watched. So we do have quite a few species extinctions that are more um, based on climate change. And I know it's a biggie and a lot of people may have already heard of it, but coral extinctions are particularly bad. So that would be in the tropics, in the, um, you know, the reefs like the Great Barrier Reef. Um, the ocean is warming. And when the ocean, um, and these, these, these corals are particularly sensitive to temperature. They are also really sensitive to pH. And while the ocean is warming, um, it's also absorbing some of the carbon dioxide that we're releasing into the air which it's a great thing. The ocean is trying to keep our climate the same. You know, it's, it's sort of acting like a buffer. Um, and uh, unfortunately, when carbon dioxide dissolves in water, it turns to acid. So that's, you might've heard of ocean, ocean acidification as well. Mm-hmm. So these corals really specific, really sensitive to temperature, really sensitive to pH, and that is changing. What corals tend to be is a symbiotic relationship between a little animal, polyp, Um, related to jellyfish and um, a a bacteria or a photosynthetic algae, algae, up to you, I think. Um, So um, the algae are what are really, um, 
or bacteria, it depends on the species, um, are what is really sensitive because they're providing the coral with energy from the sun. And they also give the coral its color. So that's why you see fields and fields, reefs and reefs of bleached corals, white corals, all the photosynthetic um, symbionts have left. Oh dear. And that coral isn't, it's not surviving anymore because it relies on two sources of food. It's the sun and, do you know, like jellyfish stings to capture small animals. Mm-hmm. Coral Corals will also sting and grab small animals, but most of them don't rely on that as their main source of food because they have this photosynthesis. Another one is, uh, now obviously I uh, love the ocean. So I tend to think of the ocean first when it comes to this sort of thing. Clams, oysters, scallops, mussels, starfish, sea urchins, everything like that that create their own shell will really struggle when there's lots of carbon dioxide in the water. And that's because they make their shell out of calcium carbonate, which there's less of when it's reacting with the water. Right, so they can't build their own wee shells anymore. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, corals are among that group as well. They are calcifying organisms, but um, um, it might not be the first thing that kills the corals, unfortunately. But um, when it comes to those animals that rely on their protective shell to not be eaten, yeah, they're going to have trouble. Um, Insects as well, pollinators. Bees. Really struggling there, and amphibians, mm. bees, exactly. Um, the decline of insects in Ireland is accelerating by 2.5% a year. I mean, it doesn't feel like it, <laughs> but I get, I get you. Like, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, it might not be some of the annoying insects that we that we that we um, experience, but some of the most useful ones, like pollinators, butterflies, bees. Um, even moths, I hate to say it, are poll- pollinators. We are an anti-moth, an anti-wasp <laughs> podcast. Um, unfortunately, wasps, yeah. big wasp fans. Unfortunately, um, are actually pollinators as well. They are very useful. <sighs> but there's okay, right? We can, I can get on board with the main pollinators, but do they have to be such annoying little buggers? <laughs> <laughs> They're so annoying. If it helps you to think, we invented paper because of wasps. Um, paper? Paper. Wasps make their own paper. And we took that technique. And that's how we have paper. So wow, there is okay. something a little cool about them. <laughs> is that a redeeming quality, though? Uh, I, do think that's, I, like paper. I think that's personally up to you. You have to weigh it up in your mind and just decide for yourself. I'm reluctantly on board with wasps, I think, is my my final answer on that one. Fair enough. <laughs> so, um, yeah. What, so obviously, to sum up everything that uh, you've said so far, everything is bad and it's only going to get mm-hmm. worse and the best case scenario is still really, really bad. Um, so what can we, on a personal level, do to mitigate the effects of climate change? So... You and I living our daily lives, Heather as well, assuming she wants to save the climate. What can we do? I do. I do. Just to put that out there, I do. I'm glad. Um, so this question to me always comes with a caveat. Um, the sort of the traditional ways we've been told to reduce our personal cons- uh, contribution to climate change, um, sort of walking instead of driving, you know, um, turning lights off when you're done with them and like... Um, 
using a cooler wash cycle in your washing machine, um, things like that are helpful. But even if everyone in the world were to do those things to the best of their ability, climate change wouldn't stop. The biggest contributors to climate change, as I said, are industries like the transport industry, like the mining industry, the fossil fuels, everything like that. So I think one of the most important things that we can do as individuals is actually lobby politicians and things like that to try and get um, legislation in place that will hopefully, as quickly as possible, change the way we work as a society. Anna, when you say lobby politicians, do you mean like French Revolution style or do you mean actually lobby politicians? French Revolution is always brilliant. I mean, um, I, think, I think the climate deniers might have a problem with us doing that. Mm. But, you know, if I get enough of backing, I'm all for it. I mean, there's plenty of museums out there that have the old fashioned guillotines. Let's, <laughs> I mean, what people didn't see was, you know, when Anna said lobby politicians, Courtney like did a fist pump. <laughs> I, I mean, I suppose I just am very much in agreement with you that like we can, you know, walk and use paper straws and all this kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, it really yeah. doesn't make a difference unless there's sweeping societal change and a dramatic difference to how we operate in lives yeah. exactly the the idea right now i think that um is that fossil fuels make a lot of people a lot of money and that's the reason we've not stopped using them rather than it's better for the environment um i got a little fact for you uh, covering just 1.2 percent of the sahara the sahara is 3.6 million square miles if you cover 1.2 percent of it with solar panels the entire world would, would be powered. You can power the entire world. The, why can't we do that? Yeah. So that's about 110,000 kilometres. It's the same as the area of the North Island of New Zealand. About a third the size of Ireland. Not that big. Can we make um, enough of them to do that? I was on the internet uh, since, you know, like 2012, right? And I... Um, one of the memes that really stuck with me is that one where it says, scientists say fossil fuels are ready to go, or sorry, renewable energies. Scientists say renewable energy is ready to go whenever, right? Good it's to go. all ready to go. We just need the people to, we need yeah. something now, to, to you, click, something to change. Are you daring to suggest that society <laughs> operating by the means of just making very wealthy people very, very wealthy over and over again is fundamentally bad on all levels, including against like nature itself? Mm, yeah, pretty much. Well, please keep your radical notions <laughs> away from our podcast, Anna. I will not have it. <laughs> says Courtney with a massive smile on her face. <laughs> um, so... On that, I just, this is my own little thing about the personal. I love like, you know, doing the cool cycle and all that. The one thing that really, as someone who has a dietary requirement, this whole eat less meat or like go vegetarian, go vegan. I'm all for people doing it. However, please make vegan food dietary friendly. <laughs> we weight yeah. intolerant people would love to maybe do vegan, 
but can't because of that. <laughs> I'm. I mean, I, I know there's a the meet it like is it? I think Texas is really big. Yeah. On cows. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. There's a whole. There's like a double. That's a double-edged sword. That one because not only do the cows produce methane and uh, the intensive agriculture is producing a lot of carbon dioxide to get space for the cows, they're cutting down trees. So there's deforestation. So all that carbon dioxide is being released into the atmosphere as well and then no longer being taken. in. So cows and capitalism bad? Mm, well, let's not blame the cows because <laughs> I feel cows have really yeah. soulful eyes and I couldn't look at them, you know, give yeah. me those big puppy eyes. But they're um, innocent and all this. <laughs> if we reduce our consumption of red meat globally, that would go a big way. Yes. Mm. I think a lot of people do point out that historically our diet was not meat every day, you know, um, unless maybe some areas of the world. I know Ireland's the very big meat potatoes kind of um, history, but um, a lot of coastal communities would have relied on fish instead of meat and then vegetables and, uh, you know, roots and things like that and uh, legumes that that are um maybe a bit healthier for us and a bit healthier for the environment funny um i sort of i want to i could literally talk about the whole food stuff for a long time but i do realize we're running out of time here but there's is one thing and i think this is going to be quite a controversial question a brilliant question a brilliant question but controversial so um for our final question on climate here today anna what would you say to climate skeptics to get them on board okay so i have been asked this question before and i do find it quite difficult i am not a confrontational person unless you get me in the right mood and um i haven't i don't know if i've been sheltered or whatever but i haven't come across anyone who is hardline climate denier um, I, so I think in my head, it's, it goes something like explain calmly the evidence and um, try and um, not be argumentative, show them how, how rapidly the world is changing, how there is evidence in the past that the climate changed, but we know the reasons for that and the reasons for this one are humans. Um, so uh, at the start of the Triassic period, the first period where there was dinosaurs, 90% of the marine life on Earth went extinct due to high carbon dioxide levels. That was because of a volcano. So I'd sort of point those things out. Uh, you know, like the carbon dioxide levels are what's causing this. Humans, unfortunately, are what causing the carbon dioxide level. Um, I'm always going to plug David Attenborough. If you've ever seen A Life on Our Planet, it's really really important I think for anyone who has any doubt about climate change to go and watch that the changes that he's seen over his life he's just perfectly placed born in the 20s 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 30s growing up in the 30s um to have seen the big changes that we've uh, that have occurred on earth if anyone argued that the climate has changed before and it's natural for it to change they're right it is natural for the climate to change over time over six, the last 650,000 years, there have been seven cycles of glacial increase and decrease. And one of those was the Ice Age. That's very famous, the Pleistocene Ice Age. Um, 
Okay, so while I did say that it's not on our it's not our personal responsibility to reverse climate change, every little helps. So those little things that you can do, the walking, the colder wash, they are absolutely brilliant in reducing your personal impact, which isn't huge compared to fossil fuels, but as I say, I do like to put every Heather's, little helps. Heather's is more than mine. Um <laughs> IBS joke, Heather. <laughs> oh, sorry. I, I'm just I'm trying not to cough here. So I, I sorry. So um radical change is needed at the societal level, but it doesn't absolve you 100 percent of responsibility. Um I try and reduce my meat consumption. Basically, I'm not ready to go 100 percent vegetarian, but I don't eat very much beef at the very least. And I try and reduce my other red meat consumption as well. Um, if everyone on earth took a few little steps, there would be a big change. It just wouldn't be everything. What I would love to point out is that corporations and industries want to make money. No, really? Um, it's unbelievable, I know. Um, but money isn't everything. And I think my uh, little quote would be, what is money going to be worth when the entire earth is dead? This is very true. Equally, if we want to try to curry favor with the extreme capitalists who listen to us, <laughs> if we accept the premise that the free market will fix this problem, then people who have the funding and the money to do so should spend their money in a climate positive way and should invest in climate um, friendly stocks, all those good things, where you put your money and your pension can make a huge difference. And if you can afford an electric car, get an electric car, like there are things that are out of reach for normal working people that the uber wealthy can't afford to do. And if they do it, the demand will be there. Companies will produce more of these things and it'll become cheaper over time. Yeah, absolutely. I tried to get an electric car recently and there's a bit of a catch-22 going on with electric cars and the working class at the minute, I think. It's that um, there isn't the infrastructure for electric cars to be completely useful nowadays, but no one buying electric cars because the infrastructure isn't there is the reason the infrastructure isn't there. So we're stuck until, I think, again governments put legislation in place more legislation and to keep their promises well there was actually a success story recently um scotland pledged to be 100 percent renewable energy to be to use 100 percent renewable energy by the end of 2021 unfortunately they missed that goal by two percent they are 98 percent renewable energy powered go scotland it's amazing. So I think we really need to like follow their example. We absolutely <laughs> are, definitely. You know, it's possible. It's it's not. You know, had you heard of that? It's obviously not so hard that Scotland weren't able to do it a lot earlier than most people are trying to get promised. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. A lot of people are talking about like do this by twenty fifty, and I'm like, no. Do it in the next three years. <laughs> That's what we no, need. Did yeah. I? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I feel suitably freaked out 
and angry at the same time, which generally is the mood from any climate discussion. Heather, how are you feeling? Yeah, I'm feeling, I mean, particularly about the the talking to a skeptic. I mean, people with dogmatic beliefs, it's very hard to change their minds. But I, I, I'm like yourself, Anna. I don't like confrontation. I don't know how I would talk to someone like that. But honestly, all the things that you've said, I agree with and trying to reduce my own personal like consumption of meats and you know doing all those things I feel like I'm doing something but as you said it needs to be done we need a societal level yeah 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 well that's super achievable um (laughs) so absolutely no issues at all um but this anxiety is real but it's real um Things are change. Things are changing. We can joke about how difficult that shift would be, but like 1920s Russia, there was a massive shift there. It happened over the space of a few days, and I'm not saying that we should do that. But crazier things have happened than society. You know, a societal change over decades. It can be done. Mm-hmm. You do remember what happened after? Oh, yeah. You know, only bad things in Russia. Um, only bad things. But I'm just saying, change can be done. And like both positive and negative <laughs> it can courtney for dictator <laughs> so heather i don't know about you but after all that chat i'm feeling a bit freaked out mm-hmm. i think i need some space do you need some space i think i need some space i think i need a glass of water i also think that i should get a throat lozenge but uh anna after researching all that do you need some space? It's not space. So important. Personal space is charity and part of the Northern Ireland Government Department for Communities. To find out more about AOP, follow us on Facebook, Twitter at Armagh Planet, Instagram at Armagh Planet, YouTube at Armagh Observatory and Planetarium, or check out our website where we host our blog, Astronauts, www.arma.space.